Welcome, everybody, to the Hockey Toolkit, Season 2, Episode 3. Uh, I'm Trevor DiCarlo. I'm Andrew Trimble. And uh, that was quite the... Uh, Quite the uh, quite quite a lot to try and figure out in less than you know ten seconds of putting it all together. It sounded a lot better in my head than how it came out. So I thought it was fantastic. Uh, I appreciate it. It's been it's been one of those days. But uh, coach, how you doing? <laughs> good, good. Hockey's in full swing. Uh, we had a bunch of games last weekend. Our uh, EHL team had a really really good weekend against Vermont. Uh, you know, a week ago or so. We had a good all-star game against our college opponents, which one of our um, our captains played extremely well against SUNY Fredonia and SUNY Brockport, A.J. Lackis. I hope he'll be making a college commitment up here, coming up here soon. And, you know, our teams are rocking and rolling. How about yourself, Trevor? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, again, just still got the uh, got the, the nine U's. We're, I guess you could say we're rocking and rolling. Uh, learning a lot about coming back uh, to that age group again. Um, always something new at the rink uh, to learn with them, um, especially since the last time I was coaching at that age group, which would have been like a decade ago. Granted, I've worked with teams and stuff at that age, but I haven't actually had a 9U level team in well over a decade. And uh, it's definitely a lot. Uh, it's It's interesting. It's interesting where how much has changed in the last even again decade. We're talking. Um, we didn't have TikTok. We didn't have, you know, we had YouTube, but it wasn't on everybody's phone. You know, we didn't have kids just absorbed into these, these uh, all these electronics. So, I know. I mean, what Baron's what eight right. You just turned eight in October, yeah, okay. a couple days ago. So, like, I'm sure you've seen it now more, obviously, as you're working with a younger group, too. But, like, the attention spans, because of I feel like those electronics are just shooting. The, the ability to hold their attention is just so much more difficult. Um, oh, for sure. And so, yeah, that's one thing. And then I've, I've come to learn Friday practices, man. Whew. End of the week, you know, 6 o'clock or 620 I think we practice I mean it's like I've had to throw out numerous practice plans just because I'm, or drills and I'm just like well nope they're we're not going to get this one and they're not I don't think they're too difficult of drills but it's just like that mind like they're at the max capacity they don't have much uh, CPU <laughs> memory left and I, <laughs> I get it they're at all they can handle huh? right yeah I mean they've again long week of school so we've kind of turned Fridays into more of like a battle Battle, battle drills, kind of just keeping it simple and light, you know, doing a bunch of small area games. Um, just because, like I said, I mean, I can't, we're teaching, but we're not really putting too much emphasis on, you know, the whole, any type of, I guess you could say, you know, concepts or systems that would be like, you really require focus. It's just, it's not... We hide it within the games like we do. We've talked well, about That's the way to do it, though. I mean, the, the, the kids are intrinsic learners, right? You don't give a you, you give a, a one-year-old a, a diagram or a book and say, this is how you walk. They watch a parent and they walk. Right. It's That's how kids learn. So I, actually, funny thing, I had like a week ago, I had one of my coaches, not one of my coaches, but a coach within the Spartans program. He said, oh, my team has been really struggling to pass the puck. How do I get them to pass? Your team has been really passing the puck. And I said – well, we play a lot of small area games. We just add a passing element. You got to 
pass to the coach behind the net, Negretzky style game where yep. you got to pass back to the coach in what I call the regroup game, and before you got to pass back before you can advance, or you know these different set up the nets in different ways that they have to make a pass in order to advance the puck. And he was like, oh, I don't know if my parents will go for that. And then I watched him he practiced the other day, and he's doing like stationary pra- passing, and I was like. You can do that to your blue in the face. The kid's not going to give up the puck. It, it, it's not how it works. Right. Um, so I don't want to call anybody out or anything like that. But I, I think like parents need to recognize uh, smaller games for the youngest kids. That's where it's at. It really is. In a lot of ways, the, the game within the game. You got to you got to kind of teach the kids by hiding a skill within that game or the constraints of the game, and that's how they can really absorb that information, uh, and then they make plays off those constraints. And again, uh, you know, as you said it, like I, I've done, you know, we get half ice on whatever Tuesday or no Wednesdays, so we split with another team, uh, the the thirteens, um, and you know, for a while I and I still do, like I'll we get half the ice, so I'm splitting up into like two quarters or well, two halves of our half, which makes quarters, um, and uh, yeah, I'm we we're doing like a little bit of station based stuff, and we still are, um. But I've been moving, yeah, more towards small area games. And, you know, again, shout out to, um, you know, icehockeysystems.com. Uh, the guys over there, the content that they're pumping out, especially the small area games that uh, they put out, have been great resources. Um, especially, you know, just finding the ones that I think, as you said, you know, we're hiding these constraint, you know, these things within the games. And, uh, that's what I've been using a lot of, um, you know, and again, we've been, you know, teaching them. The one thing that we've been really focusing on is trying to get the puck from one side of the ice to the other in the offensive zone. So I, um, we play like a little bit of a transition game where, you know, it's, it's four on four and each team has a guy in the hash marks, uh, one net. So nets in the regular place. And, you know, we, we dump the puck in either in the corner or something, or we dump, uh, you know, try and get a shot on net um, just so the goalie's, you know, active, trying to look through screens. Um, and each, like I said, each team's got one guy on one side of the ice. So, like, white team's got their guy on the hash mark. Uh, blue team's got their guy on the other side of the half, you know, other side of the rink on their hash mark. Um, and basically, in order to attack, you've got to gain possession and get it to your teammate on the half wall. And now all of a sudden you're transitioning into a three on two. And uh, what we did is we just, I took a marker um, and I basically kind of like drew like elbows, I guess you'd say, or circles where if a play, player is standing in those circles when they score, it's worth two goals. Um, so we're trying to teach the kids to shoot off a pass, shoot uh, moving the puck from one side of the ice to the other, you know, across the Royal Road. Now all the now all the kids use it, Royal Road, it's, which is kind of funny because I still – you're not sure if they really understand it, but, uh, I mean, that was just one thing that I was like, hey, you know, we can implement this, and now we're giving them two points, and I feel our passing has gotten stronger. Um, kids are getting their heads up more. So, yeah, I've been using a lot more small area games this season than I – ever really have in the past not to say that i didn't use them i always did but um not to the extent of you know how much percentage wise my you know of my practice that's great i I actually one reminded me of one thing we did actually last night's practice was um you know because we do a lot of station-based stuff on mondays which are our skill days um but then you see in a game like there's so two hands on the stick they want to uh, stick handle every single (laughs) time they get the puck. So 
but they don't gather speed. So we did a drill yesterday for about 10 minutes and set up an obstacle course in which there was a big separation between the cones. And um, it was very few cones. And they had to gather speed by pushing the puck ahead of them and then catching up to the puck and then making a quick deke before they shot. And then the other set was they're handling the puck with one hand, gathering speed with their, you know, with their top hand, one hand on the stick, and then bringing two hands on the stick and making a quick deke. And uh, that was fun to watch the kids kind of realize how far they can push it, how far they can't push it before they catch up to it. And it's like, uh, it's, it's very much teaching the basics. But I think if you always have to maneuver around a cone all the time, like that's not the game. The game, no. especially right. at the might level. I mean, you got five, you got 10 kids on the ice and they take up only 10 feet. And it's a 200 by 80 foot rink. It's a, it's a lot of space. So um, it just you kind of change it to change the way you're thinking a little bit sometimes. Now, are you guys playing out there with Baron's team? Are you guys playing uh, half ice, cross ice, or full ice? Yeah, so we're going to get in trouble by USA Hockey if we talk about this, but we, we do play full ice. I'm not a big fan of the full ice. I like cross ice. I like half ice, but the league we play in is, is full ice. So it's AAU RAN, which is what we have here out here in Illinois. We have both, but the cool league, as they call it, the Chicago United Hockey League, that's AAU, and that that is full ice. And I agree with you because um, that was what I was going to ask you was, I'm going to be honest, even the 9U kids – I feel like they should be playing half ice and not really yeah. full ice, and um, you know. I, but for sure, at at the might level, there's no reason these kids should be playing full full length ice games. No, I mean we actually finish up the last five or six practices we've had uh, that are team practices, not the skills based practices. We we finish up with breakaways on the goalie, like the last five minutes, because. They go, the kids see six breakaways a game, <laughs> right? They, right. You know, they get they get a step on a D, and all of a sudden they're gone. And if we're not practicing that stuff, uh, the kid's not going to know what to do. So, like, you know, we are doing a lot of breakers. It's a fun way to end the practice, but also, like, I think it's a useful skill in that framework of the game when, when there's so many breakaways. Holy smokes. Did you uh, – I think it was, like, two weeks ago, and I forgot. I want to say his name's Coach Freddie Wallander or some, uh, something around that. Um, on Twitter, he's over in Europe. I want to see either Finland or Sweden. Um, he had posted a video of his 13U team who was playing in their very first full ice game. Um, and he had just posted some, you know, like little snaps, you know, just like 10 second clips of each, you know, throughout the game. Maybe it was probably like a minute long. And these, it looks like these kids have not like, it's like they've been playing full ice hockey their entire life. Um, yeah. and that's just the norm over there. Like they Okay, thirteen. You now we're gonna you know play full ice, and these kids were, you know, nobody. They don't sit there and bit you know complain about. Oh well, what about positioning or what about you know offsides or this this and that. You know, teaching my kid to left wing lock any of that BS. Like, and these kids, I'm watching these, and I'm like, you couldn't tell that these kids have never played a full ice sheet a game on full ice before. You know, or offsides or ice. Like, it was unreal. Yeah, there's definitely way too many games. I mean, uh, you know, I love the program Barons in. I couldn't think higher of the group of coaches and the organization. Uh, it's phenomenal. But I, I they're in, you know, everybody's influenced by the, what parents and the consumers want, what the consumers willing to pay for, and the consumer, being the parent, wants all these games. And I don't really see the benefit. I, I you know, the practices are everything. Barron actually enjoys the practices more than the, he does the games. He, he loves get, getting ready out there for practice. He like the Monday practice, which is a skills practice. 
he like uh He's like, oh, we're going to do a bunch of races today. Like, that's how he views. That's what his, he thinks he's Lightning McQueen out there, uh, <laughs> you know, racing against somebody else. That's what he likes. But you're doing something right, though. I mean, you're, you guys are doing something right with those sessions where the kids are having fun and they want to go out Agreed. there and work hard. Like, that, that is, at that age group, that is like 90% of the battle. The other 10% is making sure, hey, we're at least developing some type of skill where – you know, I'm sure if you look at it in some of the consumers' eyes, and I hate seeing consumers because this is sports, but it is big business. It should be all about winning wins and losses, and that's why. I, again, I, you know, I know you and I are on the same page with it, but we're just behind the curve with these other countries. Um, yeah, for sure. But yeah, so I mean, that's kind of where my <laughs> my season's been going. We're doing well. I'm again, I I'm enjoying it. Uh, kids are hilarious. Um, you know, so I. I I could complain, but it's minuscule compared to everything else that is sadly going on in the world. Um, you know, we are recording this currently on Thursday night. Um, and uh, I know I had reached out to you this morning. Uh, I would have reached out to you last night, but it would have been like 1 o'clock in the morning. Uh, your time would have been 2 o'clock. But, uh, you know... They... <laughs> <laughs> I struggle with that. I know. I know. The uh, You know, the whole... Um, Basically, we've currently got the, the, you know, the shooting that just happened in Lewiston. Um, you know, and we, first of all, um, it was nice to see on, you know, again, Twitter, um, that the whole Lewiston hockey uh, club, and that was, uh, that was Nick's team, right? Yeah, Coach Skrillick's main Nordiques. Yeah. The, NA, the, the North American Hockey League. So it was nice to see that uh, everybody was okay, that nobody was involved in anything like that. Um, but ah, that's, uh, you know, yeah, like I said, I was thinking of you, I was like, okay, how far is that? But that's, uh, that's something else. So uh, I, my heart, heart goes out to all the families and stuff. Um, but what, uh, you know, again, and you, you talk, I just, as I just said, you know, everything we, uh, I could complain about a lot of things, I guess you could say in life, but you know, after seeing something like that, um, you know, I, that's wild. Yeah, it's crazy stuff, and we like you said, heart goes out to all those families affected, and we hope that uh, he gets caught, apprehended soon, uh, tarred and feathered, and uh, you know, it's, let's uh, let's put an end to this nonsense. Yeah, definitely. But um, to shift, well, well, well Trevor, I got, I got a big one for you. So um, the, to kind of segue into our guest tonight, uh, the EHL just had their college all star series. This is where we take. Uh, players, mostly age out players from our league in different divisions. And then we pit them up against, uh, NCAA hockey programs. And it's part of the N- those NCAA hockey pro- programs, their, their early preseason. That's what they get their preseason games. And, uh, it's a great way for our athletes to be showcased and stacked up against those NCAA schools. And, uh, one of those schools was SUNY Fredonia, uh, which, uh, coach Greg Heffernan, um, he was uh, was a former assistant coach there, and uh, one of our players, AJ Lackis, had a great game uh, against SUNY Fredonia. Um, coach, what has been your you know your experience and your take on seeing players and athletes who are seventeen, eighteen, nineteen years old, junior aged players, uh, and they're looking to get to college hockey? What are some of the things that you you've watched and observed and seen that players have to improve upon? Uh, to get to that next level, what are some of the key factors? Uh, you know, and I think that again, great question, great question. Um, 
give you points on that one. Um, <laughs> we, I, you know, the thing is, first of all, I think this is a, a great question because it's it's such a there's a lack of information out there. Um, For sure. And again, I, I I think that this is an area that not you know USA Hockey should be doing a much better job in of educating families. Um, but you know, to get off the soapbox on that, I mean, skills that definitely, um, you know, again, I as I tell you know players all the time that I talk to, you know, the game the game is a pyramid. You know, the higher you go up, the the smaller it gets. Um, so I mean, your main skills always. You know, you're, you know, like we like to say the five main skills, you know, your shooting, your stick handling, your passing, your skating, your checking ability. Like those always got to be, um, you know, they need to always be at a high level. But for, I mean, skating wise, skating with the way the game has gone, you know, if you don't have quality technique and you're not able to get up and down the ice at an adequate speed, that's that's the first thing nowadays where before you might be able to get you know hidden in certain ways or with who you play with but if you don't have high end speed or even just being an average skater out there amongst your peers you're at a loss um so that would i would say the first one you know the next skill i think is just just between the ears your brain you know just how you understand the game how you process it granted i played you know hockey with some guys that were Sometimes it felt like they didn't even have a brain. Um, but, you know, you, you still have to understand what's being asked of you um, so you can understand concepts. So you can step in from your junior team or your high school or, you know, tier two team, whatever age, whatever level you're playing at of college. Um, you need to be able to understand what the coach is asking you to do, um, whether it's his forechecking system, whether it's his neutral zone forecheck system, his breakout, his power play, his penalty kill. I mean, there's just so much more. The game is so intricate at those levels. So I really think it's the speed and, you know, speed, uh, your feet and, you know, and your, your mind. I think those are the two biggest areas. Uh, what do you think, coach? Well, I agree on, on those assessments of your on-ice ability, but I also agree, uh, agree with, you know, our, our interview, Greg, uh, he's got some great topics he brings up, you know, between the years and, and, and that physical maturity. Um, speaking on my personal story, you know, I think I was, uh, and I went to college after one year of junior, I had two more years of junior eligibility and I should have exhausted those years. I was not uh, emotionally and, and mentally ready for college life, uh, I had a good time at college, that's for sure. But I, I think I could have, uh, I think I could would have been better off a little bit more mature. Um, and I think that's a big part of it. Uh, I'm actually at my at my dad's uh, rink in, in dedication night a couple weeks back. Uh, a family came up to me and and told me the story of their son who had played for me when I was in New Jersey. He was on on my U16 team, uh, and I you know encouraged him to try junior, and then he went on to play four years of college hockey and. Uh, now is coaching at the Hun School in Princeton, New Jersey, which is a pretty prestigious um, prep school. And the dad said to me, and he said, "You know, I'm, you know, I'm not ready to retire yet, but that was the best money I ever spent because my <laughs> my my kid is, um, he's a contributes to society. He's a big, you know, he got a four year degree and he contributes to society. And he's and he's and a lot of his friends don't have that same who went right to college either failed out or." Uh, got jobs and are not happy in their jobs. So it's, you know, it's an investment in your kids. Um, now, whatever family believes in, you know, what what the best investment is for the kids, that's totally up to them. But I, I think that parents who really 
encourage their kids in that kind of way, those they do pay off for you down the road. So um, maturity, physical, mental, emotional maturity is a big transformation between 18 and 20 or 21. No, absolutely. And I mean, I, again, what it, we I mean, we know, but it's, you know, the, the statistic is basically what is the, you know, the average age of the incoming freshman in college hockey. And that's basically between the ages of 20 and 21. Um, because, you know, those are the kids that are what coaches are looking for coming out of juniors, um, you know, and that doesn't mean players that are coming out of, you know, high school who are playing ACHA, you know, it doesn't mean they don't have a chance or anything of that nature, but rarely do you ever, and again, I guess you'd maybe say Minnesota, but outside of there, do you ever really see a kid come out of high school hockey or at 18 and go straight to college. And again, those kids are typically your phenoms. They're your Jack Eichels. They're your Taves. They're your, you know, whoever, you know, the Celebrinis of the world. Like, those kids are very few and far between, um, especially at 18 to be contributors. So, um, yeah, no, those, uh, I was just thinking more of actual skills, skills. But yeah, I mean, off ice, like, you know, if we're talking about just being physically and emotionally and mentally mature, that's huge. Absolutely. Well, is that a good segue to turn it over to Greg? You got it. All right. Well, hockey fans, thanks for tuning in. And we got with us now Greg Heffernan. He's the uh, EHL head coach for the Connecticut Chiefs. But he's a longtime college hockey coach, having coached at SUNY Fredonia, Mercyhurst, and at Western New England College. Um, and he's going to give us some insight on you know, that developmental stage from junior into college hockey. Thanks for joining us, Greg. Hey, thanks for having me. Now, Greg, like I said uh, in the intro, that you, you know, you coached college hockey for a long time. Uh, now you're coaching junior. Uh, what would you say is the biggest transformation you've seen in junior hockey in the last 20 years? And those players that you're recruiting, you know, to get to the college level, what is the biggest transformation between junior and college in the last 20 years? No, uh, I think... I think, well, I mean, there was a stint that I had in Cleveland in the North American League back years and years ago in between uh, Mercyhurst and Fredonia, and I was also with the U18 team there. Um, some really, really high-end players that played in that uh, in that program. Uh, a couple of NHLers and a lot of D1 kids. But practices were two or three times a week, and then you'd play on your weekends. And I think your summers were more off, and more kids played soccer and golf and things like that. I think... Hockey's become, at the junior level anyway, uh, a year-round sport, um, and I think that um, you know the biggest the biggest change is, is that you know players and parents are not only investing money in order to try to pursue their college hockey goals, but I think it's a lot of that they're 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 investing a lot of time and really becoming more single sport. Um, single sport minded uh, athletes so I don't know if that's good or bad but it's the trend and um, that's the biggest difference that I think I, I see um, and, and kids also being a lot more aware of, of uh, the, pres- well, the presence of social media and, and, and the presence of, of you know technology and the internet and things like that has also changed the landscape in terms of what kids are, have access to and 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 such so those those two things i think are really the two things that i've seen in the last 20 years that that have really changed the landscape of of what players look like today well that that first question you brought up is pretty 
is it's a hot button issue. Do you think the players are better now, or do you think they're not as good as they they were previously? What do you think in that transformation? What's the difference? It's different, right? Like back in oh two oh four oh six, there was fighting in the game. Like I, it, it was played a lot differently. There was there was less emphasis on the skill development side of things, and and more emphasis on 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 uh, maybe more of a pro style of game. Um, you know, not at the college level, but at the junior level for sure. Um, so um, it's just different. I don't think it's better or worse. Like it's it's tough comparison. I think Wayne Gretzky would still be a pretty good hockey player today. Um, the game was different. He, he just got, you know, goalies for instance. They 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 wear armored suits now. And back when when I played, they were. I mean, cripes. I grew up with Cooper pads and and you know goalies wearing those those old school masks that was the Dominic Hasek style thing so it's just it's just changed changed significantly with technology and and such but I don't think you know guys like Mario Lemieux would be out of place in a Pittsburgh Penguin uniform this this (laughs) for sure I I completely agree with that now you know you you see a big a big jump you know the kids who are playing junior hockey now and they're looking to get to college hockey what kind of skills do you think they have to acquire to get to that next level. So it's funny. I, I, you know, in our league, we've had a very good track record of sending guys to college hockey. And I think the biggest thing that, that um, college coaches really want is to see whether or not a kid can handle the grind uh, and the workload. I think everybody that gets to college, by and large, has a, has a skill set that matches a college player. Uh, I think a lot of it is can you can you play a, a style of game and work hard enough every night and really handle the grind of what a college season is because it's different than juniors. It's way more practices, way less games, and that can be taxing more so than anything uh, mentally and physically. Um, where in junior, you know, we can we generally can have a little bit of a, for a Ted Lasso reference, a, a goldfish memory on. On, uh, on games, a lot of that lingers and, and in and out of the lineup an awful lot for young guys is something that's taxing. So I think it's really the mental grind and the physical grind that, that these guys have and really making sure that we develop and prepare kids that even if they are fantastic players in junior, there's oftentimes going to be fourth and fifth line guys in their first first year of college and really trying to prepare them uh, for that side of it uh, as well as the, the everyday skills and the, the strength and conditioning. But when they get to college, they're generally younger than everybody that's there. The freshman class looks significantly different than the sophomores, juniors, and seniors just because of the level of strength and conditioning that goes on in the college campus. Um, you play less games, you work out a heck of a lot more. So um, they're at a little bit of a disadvantage there. So it's it's more just preparing them, you know, not only hockey, but also, you know, um, the process. That's a great answer, Greg. Um, what would you say to a parent... So a parent, you know, you were at Western New England for a decade, right? You were about, you know, a little bit longer than a decade. Oh, okay, yep. Um, what would you say to a parent who says, well, you know, my kid was a really good high school player, a really good AAA player. Does he need to play junior? What would you say to that parent? Yes. And, and college hockey is different than every other sport. It's, it's if, like – there's a handful, a handful of kids that might be able to go from high school to play college hockey. But at the end of the day, as a college coach, I would rather have a 19 or 20 year old that's played a few years of junior that comes in a little bit more physically ready. But 
18 and 19 year old kids make the same mistakes as whether they're in college or whether they're in junior and I'd rather them make those mistakes with under somebody else's watch so that when I have them in college I get a more mature kid um, and it really you know I'm not worried about first time away from home I'm not worried about whether or not a kid knows how to do his laundry or, or get to the cafeteria and eat or get to a workout on time because the mistakes that they've made in junior have corrected those things. So it's it's a maturity factor. It's a physical strength factor. It's a mental um, mental toughness factor. But all of those things are are, are paramount in, in the recruiting process. And you know, another thing I would say, you get parents that also say, well, I don't want my and I don't want my kid out of school for for a year or two. I want them, you know, mentally. Um, doing schoolwork and things like that. And I can tell you as a guy that has three degrees that I, I took a year to play junior. I wasn't in school. It's, it's, it's not, it doesn't impact you one bit. It, at the end of the day, like, if you're really that concerned about it, go and study for the SATs again and see if you can raise your SAT or go and take a, a course on learning how to cook for yourself or learning how to be, uh, how to survive on your own, learning how to do laundry or, or crafts or things like that because at the end of the day, it's about self-development uh, as much as it is about academic development. Like when you get into school, I used to say it's really hard to, to it's, you have to almost try to flunk out of school. It's, it's not, it's you have to not try. Like if you go to class and you read the books and you are present and ask questions with your professors, you know, you, you've got to be able to get a C, otherwise the professor doesn't know what they're doing. Right, so it's impossible to flunk out if you just do the work, and I think junior hockey really teaches doing the work and and understanding process over uh, ability or process over intelligence. Right, so I think it's I think it's integral, and I to be honest with you, I pray that my two boys, whether it's soccer or PG year of whatever, um, whether it's hockey or or what like take an extra year between high school and college and make the mistakes that you're going to make in life before you get to college and the mistakes mean a little bit more. So, I, I think that's awesome, Greg, and I think we're seeing that a lot with, with parents. They're, you know, they're looking at their 18-year-old kid and they're saying whether they play hockey or not, is, this, is my kid ready to be a, a full-time college-level student? And if he's not, then you're throwing away 50, 60 grand. Yeah, and... and so I have a I have a 16 year old and and she's amazing student and a wonderful kid but you know there's a little bit of the fear there like her her mother and I talk about a little bit of the fear of hey uh, <laughs> make sure we keep our phones on at night so you know, <laughs> she goes away to school right and so I think that if if you have the experience of being able to be away then I think that is. Um, really, really uh, good for for kids in terms of making the investment of school really worthwhile. That's fantastic. Trevor, what do you got for Greg? So Greg, I mean, you kind of took a little bit of an interesting route to uh, through coaching. Um, You know, you started off, you played a little bit of pro. um, You went back, as you said, to, you know, college. You went back to Mercy, you went to Mercyhurst uh, as a graduate assistant coach. Took two years off, well, not two years off, but two years away from the the college game, and then you went right back into coaching as an assistant over in uh, Division Three, and that's where you've been, you know, almost as we said, almost looks like almost two decades. Um, so, 
now you've kind of come back to the junior game as well. Do you think that you know? Do you think your experience of being, especially working at the Division three level, do you think that provides you a little bit more of an advantage as a coach for these players that you are bringing in or you are working with currently? Well, you know what? If the answer if the answer to that is yes, I'm going to get you to help negotiate my next contract. So, <laughs> um, uh, you know what? It's it's. I think it's more like coaching is coaching and, and being a good mentor is being a good mentor. But I think what it is, is that I have some relationships just formed through the network that I have had for the last 20 years where it might give me a little bit of an edge in terms of vouching for the character of a player and, um, you know, just a, just a trust factor. Like there's guys that are coaching in college hockey that sleep on my couch when they come to our showcase. Um, and so it's, it's, those type of relationships that you know yeah it's an advantage it really is it's like anything else you're going to listen to your to your friends over listen to somebody that you don't really know very well but the coaches in our league are so talented and like I watch a ton of film because I'm a junkie and I like I'm learning things what other teams are doing and you know I, I, it's it's the guys are so talented and they've they've, they've done things uh, newer than what I have and it's it's certainly not from a hockey perspective but um, yeah I think just anybody that's a little longer in the tooth probably has a little bit longer ne- a little bit bigger network and and you know I happen to have some friends in places that that might be able to help our guys uh, move along but I can tell you this right now like Devin Garnett who played for Walpole last year. Um, Devin's such a super kid. I tried to uh, recruit him the year before. Lost the recruiting battle to Walpole. Type of kid that would come up every game. Like, Coach, how's it going? And he's a little bit like he's a little bit of goofball, but he's a super, super, super kid, and he's a really talented kid. And and you know what? Like, I picked up the phone when he didn't really have much in July, and I picked up and called a good friend of mine who actually stood for me at my wedding, Bobby Mealy at Westfield, and I said, Bobby, you're nuts if you don't take this kid. So. He ends up taking the kid, and, you know, the kid's doing well there. Uh, but I think it's more, like, in our league, even Brett Trider up at Seacoast really was, you know, we had a kid who played for him for a, for a handful of games and ended up on our roster who, a good friend of mine, Eric Nowak at UMass Dartmouth, has a good relationship with Brett. And I think at the end of the day when Brett also vouches for a kid on another team, and I think the collective group of coaches that we have and GMs and owners that we have in the EHL really are more about, hey, if everybody in the league does uh, a good job of helping each other vouch for players with colleges, not even selling players to college, it's vouching for players, um, it really helps uh, across the board. Um, and so I think everybody does a really nice job of, of basically helping each other through their networks when another coach because I get calls on players in the league all the time from college coaches and yeah he's a good player he does this this and this here are his deficiencies and I always throw in deficiencies because it's important that we're honest with our college coaches Um, there's too many uh, other competitive leagues that are trying to do the same thing that are that uh, can be a little used car salesman and you mean so they're not I telling the our, truth? Our advantage collectively is our advantage collectively is is our honesty and our approach to helping players from every team in our league advance. So no, I mean I really like that because a little bit of a, no, it's fine. A little bit of a tangent there, but it's 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 a good thing. Like we know what we are as a league, and and 
that's why we pump guys out to college all the time and, and, and we don't really broadcast a lot of the ACHA commits that we have but like if you take the total collective package from our guys in the last two years we're at 33 guys moving on to play some level of college hockey in two years so that's a lot of dudes right yeah. and, and 20 of them in the NCAA so like that's what we want to be and you know earlier before we were on the podcast here you know we were talking a little bit about how the season started and and, and honestly like I value winning and losing. I think it's important to be competitive, but, you know, we've got a kid visiting a school to, uh, on Saturday that is obviously good enough to be visiting a, a pretty profiled school, and I told him, I don't really care if you're in the game. Like, that hurts our lineup, but it really helps our program long-term if that kid goes and enjoys the visit that he's going to and decides to commit to that school. So we have to balance out our competitive nature to win games and versus our ability to say hey it's more important to to have a kid go visit a school on a saturday night than play a junior hockey game so you just said three things right there that i really like especially the last one we'll start the last one where you just said it's okay where a kid you know you want to be competitive but if it mean, it means more for that player to go and see that school you know your team might not be as competitive as you would be with him in the lineup. Like I would love for all the youth parents to hear that right now. Um, but going back, I like the first thing you said about, um, you know, being honest about player, you know, deficiencies. And I, I think as coaches, you know, we're only as really, you know, good as our word. And I've always been of the same, you know, the same philosophy of look, I'll be honest with the coaches if they ask about you and you know what, if they say like, Hey, you know, how is Billy, you know, um, how, how does he do in practices? Well, he kind of sloughs off, but you know what? He's a good real gamer. I'll sell, I'll sell the good, but I'm not going to hold back. And if a coach asks me, you know, what deficiencies do they have? Like, those are things that I think, you know, I have to be upfront and honest. So I do like when you said that. I mean, I think that's that's a lot. And then um, I lost number two already. What was it going to be, Trimble? <laughs> I don't know, Trev. <laughs> uh, the helping of uh, helping of everybody within the league, everybody helping oh, each other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's For just sure. that's fantastic on its own. Um, and it wasn't number two. I'll think of it later. But, uh, I mean, just based on everything you said. I think it's uh, again. I think it's great that what you guys are doing. Um, again, I've I've always liked how the EHL you guys operate. But uh, yeah, no, that's definitely all I got on my end. Well, Greg, thanks for for coming on the podcast. You know, you've always uh, had good stretch runs in the second half with the Chiefs. So we wish you a ton of success as you come down in the uh, the playoffs here. Um, and I know you'll be pumping out those commitments every every single month. So keep up the good work. I really appreciate being on here anytime and uh, like if there's anything that we can do to help the kids advance I mean that's ultimately when when COVID hit the reason I I left the college game was because we had to be really creative in the college setting it was a it's a very um, was a very uh, safe environment and by safe I mean like we had to figure out how not to have a board and get 13 guys on the ice at the same time without being six feet like being six feet apart and so we ended up really going to grassroots of skill development stuff and and I had kind of remembered how much I enjoyed that part of it which is why I made the transition back to junior when the job opened up rather than the grind of the college which is basically win win and then win and make sure your kids stay eligible and don't rob banks or burn down dormitories so um you know and and I think that you know 
it's one of those it's one of those things where if, if there's anything that I can do uh, to to help anybody uh, as far as within our league or, or or such or podcasts or to educate parents on the process, you know, feel free to reach out. I, uh, you know, this is what we do. So, well, that's great, Greg. Thanks, thanks a ton, and good luck the rest of the way. Thanks a lot. You too. Take care. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. Take it easy. Well, thanks again to Greg Heffernan, uh, terrific coach, playing uh, coaching for the Connecticut Chiefs in the Eastern Hockey League. I really thank him for coming on and sharing some of his backstory and some of his insight onto junior and college hockey and player de- development within that landscape. Trevor, what are some of the topics and what are the, some of the feedback you got from Greg? Again, you know, I mean, like, you know, I well, first of all, Greg, thanks for coming on. Um, taking time out of what I can only imagine is a very busy schedule. Um, you know, I really, again, like my questions to him about, you know, going, typically you see in the coaching ranks, you see coaches starting off at the junior level. Um, they might've played, they probably played college, but they start off at the junior level and then they work their way back up to, you know, coaching college. Um, where, Coach Greg here, he's started off pretty much at the college ranks and he's now moved back down and decided he wanted to be at the, you know, back at the junior level, which is, um, which you don't see too often as a tr- someone making that choice. Um, and I loved how he said he just wanted to get back to, you know, getting the developed players, getting them up to the next level. And I do think that that movement, the way how he's moved, I think it does bring a different ability to to the coaching, and again, not a whole lot, but I think it does bring a different different aspect and um, you know probably style of moving players on to higher levels because of you know you're starting here and now you're coming down to here, so you know what you want at those levels. Not that we don't as coaches, but you know you really know and you can really prepare the kids for hey like this is what it was like two years ago when I or three years ago when I was head coaching the team like this is what our practices looked like this is what the structure was um so I really took that away and and I did like his you know his comment on um you know being honest uh especially amongst coaches and I know this is again you know it feels like it's more about coaches but um I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm not going to lie lie to a coach for a kid. Um, you know, if the coach asks me, you know, what is player X, what does he need to work on? Or what is, does he work hard in practice? And that kid's a, someone who's a drill buster, who doesn't care. You know, he only wants to play games. You know, I'm going to be open and honest about that. You know, I'll still try and highlight your, your, your positives, but I'm not going to risk my you know, my word, because eventually that will come out that, oh, hey, you're a drill buster. And then I'm going to get a phone call saying, what the hell did you just sell me? You know, you sold, you sold me the fuzzy under the popsicle stick, you know, so, <laughs> but I mean, that, those are the big takeaways. Uh, what about you, coach? No, I completely agree with you. I think actually that's a great point that so many guys have rose colored glasses about their players, but pointing out some of the deficiencies that may ha- they may have uh, when giving a player evaluation to a coach at the next level. Uh, can really provide some more credibility to to that assessment, and uh, he hit on that, and I think that's really important um, because no player is perfect on or off the ice, and if they have a weakness and you can ad- address the weakness, well, then that's that's what honesty is all about. So I thought that was really great. 
Yeah, no, definitely. And again, so I mean, Coach Greg, thanks for coming on. Um, again, with that insight, uh, definitely love to have him come back on and talk further another time, just more about that whole transition and as well as, you know, maybe what some of the pain points have been uh, coming back. I know he did mention, you know, how just how much different the game is, um, you know, especially skill wise, which, you know, we we already know those. So uh, not that we already knew that, but he just just the difference of training and such. So for sure. Um, I mean, before we go uh, out to that, um, is there anything else you want to talk about before the myths? I mean, what about, uh, you know, anything or are we going straight to the five myths? Well, college hockey starting soon. Do you want to, um, give your preseason predictions on college hockey? They've had some preseason games, some different stuff going on. Any, any insight on the college hockey, uh, rankings early on here? I mean, you know. I, uh, I can, as I can hear you typing away to look at your preseason poll. Ah, oh, you're up. killing me. Uh, <laughs> you got uh, me. You got me. Mike, your mic picks up things a little bit easier. Uh, my, my cousin would probably, uh, he would be very disappointed in me uh, if I didn't say that the Gophers are probably going to be one of the top five teams, if not top three teams in the country, which I would agree with. I think them losing Logan Cooley is going to hurt a little bit, but they do have um, some other nice players that have come in to Blackhawk prospects, actually, um, to hopefully continue you know, adding the depth. It's, it's tough to lose a player like Logan, but... Uh, um, I would say for sure them, uh, you know, Michigan losing Fantilli, I think that's going to hurt a little bit. Uh, but I still think they're going to be one of the top teams. Um, you know, and again, you know, Macklin, you know, he's he's where again? I know he's at one of the Bostons. I want to say it's what, Boston College, Boston University? I think so. Boston College is um, cracking. It sounds like looks like they're cracking the top five again, which they haven't done in a couple of years. So that's, no, and that's he's exciting. Him and uh, I want to say it's one of the Hughes brothers. Um, they've just been I want to say tearing it up right now. Yeah, Boston University. So I think those are going to be some three top teams. But um, I mean, what I honestly, what do I know? I'm in Illinois. We don't even have a Division One. NCAA hockey team, so I, I that's got to change, right? You would think so. You you'd really hope so because it's it it's so unfortunate. I mean, I'm very lucky because actually, <laughs> now that I got a new job, I get a nice 45 minute lunch. So I've been hitting Chipotle, get a nice chicken burrito bowl every every you know I'm not I mean once or twice a week, but I go in there and I see all the Steel Boys. <laughs> They're all in there wearing their uh steel shirts and stuff, getting they probably just got off the ice, which I thought was uh kind of funny just seeing them. So How far are you from that rink? I literally I'm probably a good fifteen, twenty minutes away. Um Oh that's cool. Yeah, so it is kinda cool. Um unfortunately I mean I haven't watched any of their games yet just because of my seasons going on. Um and I again, I never saw a Celebrini play, but um, it is funny seeing them come in, and it's weird how they not they they don't all. I mean, again, not everybody's a giant, you know, one giant click. So you got your little, you know, clicks here and there, but uh, it is it, it's fun seeing them. And again, it's it's amazing when you, you see them on the ice, and you kind of just look at them, and you're like, okay, these guys are you know like men amongst boys. But then when you see them off the ice, you're like, wow, these guys are. They're just kids. I mean, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, so that's been, um, 
I just thought that'd be a little funny and I don't just toss in there. But um, yeah, I are we ever going to get one? I don't know. I would love for Illinois to get a NCAA Division One team at some level, whether it's University of Illinois or you know, you know, Northern Illinois has got a Division One ACHA team. Uh, we've got the University of Aurora, which is a D three uh, NCAA team, but you know. We just need Aurora, bes- Illinois. Yes, <laughs> yes. From Waynesville. That is correct. The one and only. Um, I live in Aurora. <laughs> uh, what does he say? He had that. Uh, let's just say it this way: I have an extensive collection of name tags and hairnets. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. That is. <laughs> that is it. That is Aurora. Where do you put that movie? Okay, uh, all time. Before we go to five minutes, all time SNL spinoff movies. What are your top three? Oh, man. I'm really putting you on the spot. Are you an SNL fan? I mean, I used to be. I don't watch it too much anymore. But. I am. I mean, I haven't watched. Yeah, it's like you said, I'll watch certain things here and there. I mean, that's got to be in the, like, are we talking about, like, skits that got spun off into movies? Because, I mean, I can't really think of too many outside of that one. Um, but if I would say, if I'm going to use SNL cast, focus cast, yeah. Okay. Well, I would definitely put that in the top top three. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Tommy Boy is my number one. Uh, I, yeah, I just Tommy was a great movie. You, for I, sure. You can watch it over and over again. You still find something that's just funnier than shit. Um, but I would definitely put Wayne's World in my top three. If not even that, might be number two. Um, God, I'm trying to think. Like really, you know, cast wise. I mean, I don't know. What about you, Coach? You 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 were. Probably more. I know they did a lot more spinoffs back in the the nineties. So you're a little bit older than me. You have a little bit more. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, yeah. So Wayne's World was a spinoff. That was like a, a skit that they did for a while, and that was it. Was amazing. It was it was the first one's great, and the second one is just as good. It's super funny, right? Um, but if we're doing cast like characters, like you know, actors on SNL who who then appeared in movies together. You gotta have Caddyshack up there. Oh God, I didn't even. That's farther back. Than I mean, but yeah, yeah no. You got Chevy Chase, Bill Murray. I mean, you gotta put those two guys. Oh, yeah. That was incredible. And then Wayne's World. And then I, I probably Tommy Boy's up there somewhere. Happy Gilmore's around there. Yeah, that's true. Uh and then you have a like a, a ton of Will Ferrell movies. Like, uh, but he has different cast of Superstar, characters. That right? Wasn't that it with the, or what? Superstar was? Yeah, that was a spinoff. That was that was a, that was a skit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I, Will Ferrell's, yeah, I don't think there's too many movies of his that I, I can't think of any really that I don't like, but I know there's probably a couple I haven't seen that were more like, I guess, serious, but uh, <laughs> coaching-wise, if you, I don't know if you've ever seen it, Coach, but it is related to coaching, I mean, it's soccer, but uh, I don't know, have you ever seen Kicking and Screaming? It's a really good movie, and it's, uh, you know, really <laughs> applicable in, in Laconia here. Instead of giving it to the Italians, we just say, give it to the Latvians, you know? <laughs> Get it to the Italians. <laughs> God, that, again, that's an under, I feel like that's an underrated movie, but. Uh, oh, it's very funny. No, definitely. Um, yeah, but. Ditka, too. Ditka was in that. He was awesome. <laughs> Where he's just <laughs> screaming at him. Oh, God. Um, but yeah, no, Wayne's World, that is the Aurora. There, Unfortunately, there is no, uh, what, Makita's Donuts. Um, it was not real. Um, but, uh, a lot of the other parts of it were. So, um, 
yeah, great movie. Um, but yeah, so all right, getting into our five myths here. All right, here we go. So we've got today. Uh, you know, we we decided to go with a newer one. We had one that we were going to use, but I think we had already used it, and we weren't too sure. So we said, "Hey, let's just go with a different something different." Uh, so here are the five myths of post youth hockey. Um, I think number one, and it gets a it's set in a lot of players' minds, and I get it. It's the end of the season of your last year playing youth hockey. Um, you know it. So you're getting you're upset, like oh, but number one is your playing career is over, um, as we've already talked about, you know, with Coach Greg and you and I have talked about numerous times and all about this podcast so far is that your your hockey career is not over after youth hockey. You've got numerous avenues that you can go down, um, whether that be juniors, whether that's college hockey, whether that's just you know what I'm gonna now get involved in a men's league. Um, you know, maybe your competitive career to a certain extent's over, but there's still so much more out there. Um, you know, again, there's guys that are out there that are playing men's league and they're in their seventies. Um, so I, I think that's one thing that a lot of people think is, Oh, it's over. Like maybe that competitive side where it's, you know, full body checking. Okay. For those players. Yeah, it's over. But for the other guys that are, okay, I'm going to go juniors or I got college. I might have pro. Um, I might have semi-pro. I might play in the senior league up in the you know Quebec, whatever, and just go ape shit. Le Chiefs. Yes, and just go nuts. Um, so you never know. But uh, I think it's pretty tough. I think it's pretty cookie-cutter to just say, like, oh, okay, I just played my last game of youth hockey you know, as a midget, and now my career's over. Um, coach? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that you know the, the, one of the great things about the sport of hockey is that it's a lifelong sport. And you can play it at any level um, until you're until you <laughs> until you check out. You know, I'm about so, to say blue in the face, but uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's, that's yeah. probably true. Yeah. But but uh, yeah, what do you got for number two, Coach? Well, it segues perfectly off that. Um, my number two is you need to play at a high level to coach, and I, I have a you know I have a real strong passion that it's obviously you have to have a basic set of skills and requirements to be able to, to coach at a certain level. But we've seen guys like John Cooper, who you know won a Stanley Cup, did not play college hockey or really that high level of hockey past like his midget years. And um, he was a, a lacrosse player. He was a lawyer and a lacrosse player in college. Um, but he's a great communicator. He understands the game. He uh, builds relationship with players. And he's won at literally every single level and now has a name on the Stanley Cup twice. Uh, so... You know, if you have a skill set that maybe doesn't translate well to being that competitive athlete on the ice, um, there still could be a hope for you in, in being a coach. And uh, there, there's a real need out there for good, knowledgeable young coaches coaching the sport of ice hockey. So um, post-youth hockey, there's always a coaching avenue if you're interested in taking that step. You know, and I like how you said that because – um, yeah, you don't have to have played at super high levels. I mean, you work, you can work your way up. I think that playing at certain levels do have their advantages. They give you maybe a step up above others, but I, sure. you know, in the Chicagoland area, I've seen a lot of guys who played in the NHL become, you know, youth, youth hockey coaches. And it's like, you know, <laughs> like what is going on here? Um, like they just don't know. Like they don't they they can play the game, but they can't teach it. They can't you know they yeah. can't relate to the kids. They can't relate to 
You know, when you play something at a fast pace for, you know, getting paid millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars, whatever level it be, some guys just don't know how to teach it. Um, they think they do, and you, they, you see them fizzle out. So uh, it's always funny when parents have say, you know, like, oh, well, he played at this level, and you're just like, okay. And, and I was like, have you watched any of his practices? And they're like, well, well, yeah, but, well, but what? Your kid's standing in line, you know, for, you know, the 90% of it or 80% of it. So um, I think it's a great, great way, even before you age out, to get into coaching. Um you know, I'm sure there's park districts out there that are looking for young coaches that are still in high school. I know players need volunteer hours to graduate in a lot of places. So get your foot in the door. Start early. Learn. Um, have fun with it. So Absolutely. What do you got for three, Coach? Uh, number three here is uh, college hockey is the best route uh, after your post-youth hockey uh, career. Um, and I'm going to disagree on that. Um I would say even, you know, junior hockey might not even be your best route. Um, I know I know of a few players that, I mean, I played with who went and played all four years at college hockey, and then they graduated, and then, well, okay, what am I going to do? Well, now now they went to trade school, you know, so they spent all, the, their parents spent all that money for them to go to, a, you know, a private school or a, even a state school, and now they're working, you know, um, you know, a blue, you know, a blue collar job, which there's nothing wrong with. We there, we need those jobs. We need people, you know, tradesmen and women. Um, so college hockey doesn't necessarily like that. It, that's the goal for a lot of players, but it doesn't have to be your goal. If you know, like again, hey, I'm I'm done after this. I'm gonna go and you know what? I want to be a plumber. I want to work in or HVAC or I I, I want to go shovel. You know, you know, dirt, whatever. I want to work you know construction. You don't have, you can go to trade schools, you can be a carpenter, whatever. So, um, it's, you know, college hockey is nice, but it's not always the right, right path for everybody. I couldn't agree more. And to quote Caddyshack, you know, the world needs ditch diggers too. <laughs> it's, it's the truth. I mean, and again, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a fucking hard, it's nothing a, wrong at all. I mean, it's a hard job. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to do it, but you know what? There's a reason why those guys get paid well and they've got great benefits, you know, down the line and even right away. So. Absolutely. All right. Number, th- where are we at? Number three. Yeah, number I, f- I got it. Number four. three this week. So you, uh, okay. Yeah. Only, uh, my, my, my number four is only division one has elite athletes. Uh, I would say that's incorrect, especially in hockey. Uh, as you move up the ladder and coach and playing college hockey, uh, there's less combined Division One, Two, II, and Three um, hockey playing schools. There's less number of those teams than they're all at Division One basketball. Division One basketball is over over 300 NCAA teams, uh, and in college hockey combined, it's you're looking at it close to 150. Um, pretty similar to football as well uh, in terms of the number of Division One and and One AA uh, playing at the Division One level. So. Um, and you know, if you look over the overall scheme of things, I think I saw a statistic a couple couple months back that only seven percent of uh, high school varsity athletes play in college at any particular sport. So whether it's field hockey, basketball, baseball, only seven percent matriculate onto to NCAA rosters and whatever their sport may be. And so, I don't mean to interrupt you here, but we also have to have to remember that when we we're talking about these other sports, 
most of these players like basketball are coming from the U.S. Most of these players that are in football, about 99.9% of the the college football are from the U.S. Now, sure. now we're talking about, you know, college hockey. They're coming from all over the globe, but primarily North America, which includes Canada. Sorry, not, not to no, jump you, in, but I thought that was kind of an no, important you're tr- distinction. You're totally right. That, narrow, that's, that shrinks the pool even more, but... Yeah, and here in Laconia, we just want to give it to the Latvians. So <laughs> <laughs> you got to really stand out if you're an American, right? But um, you know, you should be proud of your accomplishment if you played in any level of NCAA or even ACHA, whatever level of hockey. You're one of the select few who moved on to college hockey. So you should be very proud of that, um, and not look at that as oh, I just played Division three or I just played ACHA. Uh, you you played college sports. That's an amazing accomplishment. You should be you pat yourself on the back for that. No, I mean I already interrupted and ruined it, but or made my comments for you <laughs> or to, about it. But no, I I agree. It's uh, you know any level you get to. Um, again, it's be happy for you. You know, like for me, I mean, again personally, I went to ACHA. I played played half a season. I was like, hey, I'm out of my depth here. Like I I was an average skater barely in high school like speed wise now i'm below average this isn't for me but i'm still proud of you know at least giving it a go and for sure you know, and, and the friends that i made you know in that year so um you know number five here um you know we're gonna i'm gonna steal what you had for originally um you know and that's uh when we're looking at clubs um and again we're talking about college hockey players um you know i i you know i'm gonna I'm going to steal a little bit of yours, and I'm going to add my own little twist to it. Um, in your post-hockey career, you need to remember that at the end of the day, um, especially with college hockey, you are a student-athlete. Um, and this isn't really a myth. You know, like, you're not going to school just to play hockey. Like, that's the myth. Or the myth is you're going to school to play hockey. Like, no, you're going to school to get an education. Because that education is going to take you further than hockey most likely ever will for 99% of everybody that plays. Um, so, you know, my myth of is saying, okay, I'm going to I'm going to college to play hockey. Okay, yeah. If you are that, you know, Celebrini, if you are that Eichel, that Paul Correa, there's a name. There you go. Um, if you are those guys, yeah, you're going to college to play hockey because you're playing against guys that are four years older. Um, but for the rest of everybody else, you're going to, you realistically, you're going to school to get a quality education and that matters on what school you choose. Um, so make sure that you're going to a school, you know, if you want to be an engineer, don't be going to, you know, Arizona state just cause you want to, you know, party it up, like make sure they got engineering. I don't know if they do or not. I just know it's a party school. So, um, well, if they do, that's a good choice. I mean, <laughs> I mean, again, now it's a bonus. Now you're playing hockey. You get to share it with, uh, was it Arizona? Yeah, Arizona State that shares it with the uh, Coyotes. Yes. Yeah. You got that, and you get the, you got your engineering degree. So three, those three things in one, maybe that's what, okay, maybe that is not even the myth. That's just great advice right there. But uh, so, I mean, what do you think, Coach, about, you know, being a student athlete? And No, I, I totally agree with you, Trevor. I think that, you know, a lot of kids uh, when at 18, uh, they're not, they're really unsure of a lot of things. And, and they, they, whether they want to go to college immediately or they want to pursue juniors, if you're not unsure of any, if you're not sure of what you want to do with your life in terms of like, 
what you want to major in in college, you're sure of uh, what you want to study and become. If you're not sure of things, but you know that you love hockey, I think junior hockey is a really good route. But if you're a marginal high school player who's getting pulled into playing junior hockey by maybe maybe a couple of his friends or maybe a couple uh, coaches, but you really want to be an engineer and you can, you know, devote your life to that and really dive into that, well, then go to the best school who's the best fit for that for that um, academic major. Uh, because for everybody, at one point, hockey ends and you have to support your family and move on with your life. And uh, that's that's the that's the winning end game is to do something like that. Yeah, not everybody can be a Van Wilder, which I'm sure if we've got any kids listening to, like 99.9% don't even know who that is. And that movie came out back when I was in high school. Yeah, they don't make any good movies anymore. Man. You're, you're like it's like the the movie. We should do five myths of movie making. <laughs> Did I ever? You t- can't do. You can't do super bad anymore. You can't do. Oh no, God, Van Wilder. You can't do. Caddyshack's out the out the window. Well, here's a story for you. I had a kid, and this was three years ago. I'm coaching the midget team, right? 18U, and I made a. I made a. Uh, God, what was it? It was a. Uh, uh, Tom. No, it wasn't a Tommy boy. It was a Billy Madison quote. And I forgot what I said. It was, you know, and my assistant coach, my stepbrother, he knew what it was from. But one of the kids on my team, like, they're all looking at me, and I'm like, all right, guys, like, if any of you can tell me what that's from, I'll buy you a Gatorade. And I've done this a couple times recently, even with these peewees, or the squirts. But anyhow, back then, I made the quote, and one of the kids on the team goes, Billy Madison, Billy Madison. And I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, Tom, like that was Tommy. That was great. Like, how did you know that? And he goes, "Yeah, me and my dad watch all those old movies." And I was like, "All right, that's it." <laughs> Get on the goal line. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" But yeah, I was like, "Old movies, like, oh my god, that's that's a tr- that's a classic." Absolutely, that's a classic. But what's going on? You know, here, how how are your Devils doing? You know, we didn't talk about Bedard tonight, so that's a plus. But uh... we're the only podcast in hockey related podcast in America. <laughs> That didn't talk about Bedard. So the fact that you brought him up, it's like you've been waiting for this moment, Trevor. I, I just – I know we had to because I'm so just tired of reading. I let the kid be a f- damn kid. But, uh, oh, tough one last night to, your, to the Capitals. Yeah, they got to a bad start. Bad first period and then they kind of righted the ship. But, you know, it was too little too late. Um, but Jack Hughes is pretty good. <laughs> oh, is he ever? Jackie was pretty good. What? And that, the biggest thing that I, when my mom came up for a visit, we were talking about my mom. She's like, "How is he so good?" And like, I was like, "Mom, watch how, watch his change of pace." And I was breaking down with my mom, Jack Hughes, uh, and my mom's seen a lot of hockey over her life for sure, so she knows. But she was like, "Oh wow, I never really noticed that." But he'll go slow to fast, slow to fast, and he just manipulates the whole ice, and it's like. Well, you never saw that because I sure shit wasn't doing that. (laughs) (laughs) That's a different game, yeah, for sure. But uh, he's uh, he's something else. He's he's fun to watch. At only twenty two years old, that's and he just turned twenty two. That's unreal, unreal. Seventeen points, sixteen. He's so much like Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane was like that. Patrick Kane manipulated defenses like that with that change of pace and his his. I don't think Kane you know, was ever as fast as he was. No, I don't disagree. Like Kane was great at manipulating the time and space, um, and as you said, the change of pace. Um, but I don't. I think Hughes is just faster in general. But uh, man, that's a that's a fun team to watch for sure. 
Better than my Blackhawks, yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> but the Blackhawks are getting there. They got that Kevin. They got that rookie Korchinski, who's going to be something. He is leading the pack, man. He is. He's the best kid on that team, and I will. Uh, I'm going to go back here and actually say Luke Hughes is not with Celebrini. I'm thinking of someone else. I think Barons. That might be the player I was talking to about. But uh, yeah, no, it's been. Uh, did you watch? Uh, I mean, I know you're a busy guy with hockey, and this is probably something we should have talked about earlier in the show. Which again, copy and paste, I might be able to do. Did you watch any of the? Uh, what were your thoughts about the Frozen Frenzy? No, Frozen Frenzy. I didn't watch that. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> so on Tuesday this week, no they, where all 32 teams in the league were playing on, on one day. Oh, I watched the Devils play. <laughs> oh, well, okay. <laughs> Oh, that's 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 good enough for me. So, uh, well, hey, I'm uh, I'm trouble to the course. <laughs> yeah, I'm trouble to Carlo and. Uh... <laughs> oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm like a ba- I'm like sometimes honestly, Trevor, I'm like a bad. They say like um, the the NFL has the lowest rated Super Bowl ratings in the city of Philadelphia unless unless the Eagles are in the Super Bowl, then it's a hundred percent viewership. But like if if it's any other team, there's like nah, nobody watches it. I'm kind of like that. Like if the Devils are on, I'm watching it. If there's another game, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe enough. I'll go to bed early. I just catch it every day. You know, in the mornings, I'll pop on uh, probably Sportsnet Canada's uh, YouTube channel and just watch the highlights or a lot of the stuff. Or I'll be scrolling through Twitter and somebody will post it on there. So uh, definitely. Uh, Check out my most recent article. Well, this comes out one's in my second most recent article about who I've been following on Twitter lately. Because uh, yeah, time is uh, time is definitely money right now. So, but uh, absolutely. All right. Well, I'll let you get to bed, coach. You know it's past your bedtime. So, uh, <laughs> so for everybody out there, I am uh, Trevor DiCarlo. I'm Andrew Trimble. And uh, yeah, well, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.